Good day, and welcome to the Talk It Out podcast. My name is Neil Bailey Harper. I'm here tonight with, uh, based on a true story, Father's Family Found. Um, see, after what seems like a lifetime of searching, we found our Father's Family. Here's to new adventures. The music I'm listening to tonight begins with Chuck Maggioni. The song is Land of Make Believe. I hope today finds you well. If not well, I hope this story might help you feel a little better. Um, okay, now I broke this down into three sections. And the first uh, will be the backstory. <clears throat> uh, this is podcast number, I don't know, 422, 23. I really thank you for listening. I hope you care to share it, like it, and subscribe to the Talk It Out podcast with Neil Bailey Harper. And we've got to say something about that later on, too. Um, we're on Spotify, Apple, Bullhorn, and pretty soon we'll be on the Wisdom family of podcasters. So, um, and about seven others. Just not in my head right now. But thank you for listening. And thank you guys for putting the podcast on. So... Father's family found. <clears throat> I am a man of a certain age. Um, if you follow the podcast over the last four or five years, I've given several stories. And again, one of the things I will always say is I will tell you my journey. I'm not going to tell you too much of my business. Well, I'm going to open up the door just a little bit in this because maybe maybe it opens up the door for you. Um. I've been looking for my father's family since my father passed. Well, maybe a little bit after that. My father passed in 1965. I was six, seven years old. I remember the day very well. I don't remember being sad because I only had one visual reference of my father. Um, He wasn't living with us. And I do remember though, my mother and a couple of my older sisters, really, you could feel the stress or the sadness in them. Now, first part of the backstory, I'm one of 12. Well, no, I'm not. I'm one of 13. Um, so getting back to that. After that, growing up and living in the same neighborhood in North Philadelphia until I left for college, and I worked in the neighborhood grocery store, 103. And I worked there from the time I was 11 until I was 18, 19 years old. 18, I went to college at 18. I didn't graduate high school at 19. But the, one of the things I heard as much as anything else was you look just like your father. You look just like your father because my father was in that neighborhood also. Now, I'm not gonna get into how things were uh, if you're of a certain age and you lived in a in neighborhoods, city, the South, you know how our communities tended to handle things. Okay? Um, starts with roof over the head, food to eat, then you work through that, everything else after that. And we had a very nice home. Um, 
Maybe there was 12 of us at that time. No one ever, no male ever lived in the house but my uncle, from what I remember. So, over the, after high school, I'm going to college and I'm trying to find money and I really want to find this man that everybody says I look like, or, or information or a picture. I didn't have a picture of him. And not to, I never meant in any way to stress out anybody, any of my siblings, but for years I'd never have a picture of me before the age of 12. I don't know where that came from. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter now, just facts. So, um, I looked around and looked around and looked around and come to find out that my father's brother worked in the state store. In Pennsylvania, there are state stores, liquor, liquor stores. And this liquor store he worked in was three blocks from my house. Now, my mother never shared a lot of information. Okay, my mother never shared any information about my father. And me being smart-ass kid who had a job at 14 and 15 thought he could ask any question he wanted over and over again, and he could. He didn't get any answers. And after a while, I understood that what I want is what I want. So I walked into this state store and saw this tall, handsome, almost Indian looking man, light, fair black skinned man, fair black, fair skinned black man behind the counter. And before I could step to him to tell him who I was, he said, I know who you are. Have a good life. I know who you are. Have a good life. Well, again. Threw me off, yeah, yeah. Tyson jab, not a Tyson right, but it threw me off. Made me mad for a while. I don't know who I was mad at though. I don't know if I was mad at my mom. I didn't know I was mad at the man I saw in the liquor store. I didn't know they had to know each other. All those kind of things run into your mind, but again, it doesn't matter. You keep moving. You keep your life going. Um, I'm number eight, now number nine in my family, siblings. Uh, Mickey is number seven, now number eight. And anything I did in school or outside of school, from high school, my, during my high school years, if I made a misstep, Mickey saw it. Um, we always had this kind of Bonnie and Clyde kind of thing, but not really Bonnie and Clyde. She just looked out for me, okay? And that never changed. And she wanted, she has more vivid memories of our father than I do. The smell, this touching the skin. I don't have those memories. She's two years older than me. But we traveled to see him together. That I do remember. Um, so, as adults, and again, if you're in a family and, and you, you understand that sometimes you might want to know something or somebody in your family might want to know something that you don't want to know. It's your quest. If it's something you want, then you got to accept that. It doesn't affect the love of the, in any way possible. But it's what you want and you become, you get to understand that. And this was something that Mickey and I could go back 
over, over and over again. New information, a document here, a document there. A lot of stuff we thought we found or we might have found. Some things we did find. Over the next 20 years, over the next 30 years, over the next 40 years. One thing I did um, while my mother was alive, I constantly asked her. Yeah. And she was Miss Ellie. We named, we, her real name was Eleanor Agnes Bell. But... We grew from calling her mom. At some point in time, you kind of know when you could. You had to be of age, but we all ended up calling her Miss Ellie. So when I would ask Miss Ellie, I got no response, and I understood that after a while, so I stopped asking. But what I did do every year was I, like most of us, probably all of us do, you call your mom on Mother's Day. I didn't live in Philadelphia for, pretty, for many years. And the other thing I did was I always write, I always wrote, always wrote a poem called It's Mother's Day. Now, I never shared it with her. I never shared it with her. And every year in that poem, I would put something in there about something you can tell me that you just won't. And it was, I thought I was a decent writer, so I colored it a lot. It was never anything that tainted any kind of love or suggested anything else. I'm still trying to ask that question just in case. She wanted to change her answer. <clears throat> um, I found this 5 8 11, 2011, the last time I wrote. My mother passed away in 2002. But I continue to write it's Mother's Day little stories. This is the last one I wrote. We are, society, we are a society that feels the need to label things, the need to speak about life in code, the need to monetarily celebrate gifts we involve ourselves with every day. Today is Mother's Day. Really? One day? 24 hours? Package and sell it with the merchandise mused together by thirsty merchants who know exactly how to say Happy Mother's Day. You are forgiven from calling, communicating, connecting, and concerning oneself all through the year as long as you say on that day, Happy Mother's Day. We all should feel blessed for the gift of life. There are many roads to and from memory lane, the bonds developed, then seasoned and nurtured in whatever way it's done. It's what we wind up, then rewind over and over again. Those memories. The longest conversation I had with Miss Ellie took place the last time I saw her. In her hospital bed. In a nonverbal, semi-conscious, mental and physical state of being. I brushed her hair back from her forehead with the thumb on my left hand. My fingers and palm rested on the side of her face. In her time of vitality, this wasn't allowed or attempted. When I said goodbye, my right hand was holding her right hand. I started to stand up and her hand squeezed mine intentionally. Every moment that I ever imagined her face raced through my mind. She was holding on yet letting go at the same time. 
like the hug I thought I never got as a child. I love you, Mom. It's Mother's Day. So that's the only time I didn't really ask her anything about Detroit because it was up to me. I realized it was up to me to find who he was, where he was, why he was. And so Mickey and I continued our quest. Years and years and years looking for something other than the date of birth, the date he died, and that kind of information. We wanted to know. We always wanted to know. Um, Mickey's husband, Jimmy, my brother, and Kylan, you got me today. I will say that again. She wrote me a little note that really kind of made me feel good. I'll put it that way. Um, so, okay. I got on 23andMe and we got on uh, Ancestry. Now, this is uh, Chet Baker along with Paul Desmond. Autumn Leaves. So now we've gone through 30 years of looking for information, looking for a face, looking for something. Um, there were reasons why my mother couldn't give me information. And when you have 12 kids and it's you and your, her mother, my grandmother and her in the house, raising 12 kids, those, we didn't, we didn't have to ask any questions. Who were we to ask questions? We got food on the table every night. We had a nice warm house. You know, the oil truck used to come and we had those radiators that we used to dry our shirts on. If we forgot to wear something or forgot to clean something that we wanted to wear to school the next day, you wash it out of the sink with Tide and then you put some newspaper or some just some plain paper on the radiator and you put the shirt over top. Dries. Large got oil. So we always had oil. Um, well... We never found out anything until this year. No, we, we did find out some very, you know, the more we, here's the thing too, going for the truth, if you don't accept the truth for what it is, then you weren't looking for it. You just wanted a story. We, so you have to be able to deal with it when it comes. Um, Mickey and I both discovered literally probably at the same time that in a DNA sense, we didn't share the same father. But that still hasn't registered to this day, and it never will, because that's the way we are. And about six weeks ago, I got ancestry results back. Um, for the first time, and I did 23andMe, so on the first time on my family tree, there was something on the paternal side. See, my sons know me. Part of my reason for heading, for wanting to do all of these kind of things was to find out my father died at the age of 45 or 46. I wanted to know what took him. And is it possible that it would take me? Something genetic. Turns out, praise God, it wasn't. So, fast forward, we're now into today. Um, I had my ancestry results back for about three or four days before I decided to send a message to someone I saw as named of Freddie Bailey. Um, my Nana, who lived to be 103, had always told me I had a brother named Fred. I had no idea how old he was, where he was, or if he was. But that's the story I was sticking with. So one night I emailed Freddie Bailey 
When I woke up the next morning, I had an email back, maybe three weeks ago. And Freddie said his jaw hit the floor when he realized he had an uncle. Because they never had uncles. See, the Bailey's line was kind of stopping or starting again with them too. And I was overjoyed that he hit me back and was excited to want to talk to me. And I immediately thought I should kind of slow things down because I said, maybe I'm your first cousin. He said, no, you're not. You're my dad's brother. Uh, And I said, is your dad named Fred? Yeah, you're my dad's brother. Because all the information I sent him, the timelines lined up for both sides exactly as they needed to. Um, And then within 10 minutes, Freddie sent me a picture of my father, who I'd never seen. Um, you know how you, you guys who look like somebody who know who know who you look like well for years when people tell you that and you've never seen it and then you do see it I still don't know how to I'm still processing everything as we go so I don't know how I'm feeling but I was a very appreciative that he was that open see here's the other thing about I feel that I'm reinforced with my family with Leah and Freddie my niece and nephew um if you're going in, go in guns blazing. I don't, there is no disappointment if you go in. You don't, it's no reason to be apprehensive about trying to reach out to people. If you want the information and you now, you find out that they might be in the, in the arena, go for it. Let your guard down. So, Freddie informed his father, Fred, that he found his brother. His father, Fred, never knew he had a brother or brothers and sisters I knew about him he didn't know about me I believe my my brother Fred is 20 years my senior and what made my heart swell was what Freddie told me that his father who now lives in Panama not Florida in Panama didn't want to talk to me on the phone. He wanted to see me. And he started getting his ticket right away. Um, so, I reach out and they reach back. And they're as excited as I am. Now, Mickey's excited, excited in California. My brother Bill, we are very open and we are very understand each other and love each other extremely a lot. So, I would send Bill a message about results or things I heard on Ancestry. And three days later, Bill would hit me up about a hockey game we both watched. <laughs> he didn't want to go there. And he, we talked this out through family dinners, honestly. You know, and I respect that. He, he, and, but I always felt like he wanted this. He just wanted to be sure. See, I go in and like Colombo. I think I know shit, but he wanted to be sure, and I respect that. So, my brother Fred came to my house yesterday. Um, with his two children, Freddie and Leah, Leah's husband, Paul, and the woman who started this, Shelly. Freddie's, Freddie's woman, Shelly, started this by giving Freddie a gift 
of ancestry, maybe nine months before we met. Two things you normally do with gifts, right? Either you re-gift them or you use them. You can re-gift it or you can use it. Freddie decided to use it. And thank you, Shelly, for, for kick-starting this whole thing. Because my wife, Lisa, had already connected with Freddie as both being real estate agents. She thought he looked a lot like our son, Brandon. But again, you know, I hadn't gone through the ancestry move. You know, and I'm not going to sit here and say if I'd have done this early, I'd have got information earlier. It's the time is the time. You do it when you do it, and you go in when you feel like you want to. You can't. It's not a half-stepping matter. You know. Um, so, uh, Freddie was the first one to greet me outside my house, and I will tell you this too. I have two. We have two very good friends. Huh? Mike Boston and Anita Boston. And if you're ever in Greensboro, you want to go out. The best place in the city is the legendary Boston's House of Jazz and Blues um, in Greensboro, North Carolina. So they came up and they were here a couple of days before my brother got here, and that helped me. See, I'm not, I'm, I'm not afraid to ask for help. I'm a pretty vulnerable guy, and I like that because, you know, I want to know what's behind the door and not trick myself. So it was very hard for me to just not be excited. And, and I will say this, I was never apprehensive about meeting my brother and my niece and nephew. I was always excited. There was never anything about me feeling like, well, guarded in any way, no. And I have two sons. So when Freddie sent me the picture of my father and I showed it to my sons, again, the branches on our trees grow when we do stuff like that. They were always, they would hear me talk about it but once they saw, okay, this was my grandfather. This guy looks like me. It meant something to all of us. It, you know, it, it, and it still does. And there is never a thought, for, and I believe for anybody who does this, or it shouldn't be, that you have to shift energy or shift love somewhere else. Love, love grows. I don't need to. I've got 13, 12 siblings now. I don't need to take anything away from the 11 I had before this. I got another branch on my tree, a Bailey branch. My kids, we can give them more knowledge on their paternal heritage. It makes me feel good to know now when I close my eyes and think about my father, I can see him. Because I know what he looks like. So, okay. This is uh, Horace Silver, song for my father. So today and tomorrow, we spent two days together um, in my house. And on Saturday, I met, I met my brother on Friday. And you know what? When I'm talking to him, I had the weird thought. I just saw so much of me in him. I had the weird thought that I'm asking myself a question. 20 years from now, you know, I'm asking the future a question now, but I'm asking myself. I, you know, there was, there was nothing, there was nothing, I didn't know how I would feel. I that's what living is. That's what living is. You do those moments when those moments come. But that moment felt so good. 
every moment felt so good. Every, every embrace was like we were transferring DNA, like we'd known each other because we do. One um, when, when I found out too that my brother at the age of 78, retired, decided, okay, I'm going to up and move to Panama. I was like, yeah, I can kind of, that's something that I would think about, you know, and just, and people are noticing our mannerisms and all of this stuff. And it's, it was so good. My two sons and their two cousins um, and their cousin's daughter, Tyler, who also works in radio at NPR in Baltimore. Just the exchange of energy and exchange of, you know, we, we hit the ground running. There was never any, anything like, okay, we will talk to each other whenever. No, 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 no. My brother Fred had a book and he wanted everyone to write their email address and their phone numbers in this book. And he told us at the end, um, he was gonna start a conversation from the top down that we all had to be a part of. And and aside from that, there is a separate conversation that me and Mickey and Billy can have and talk to him about anything we want. He lived with my, he knew, he was alive at 24 when my father died. So he knows the man that we are part of. And he couldn't have been more patriarchal in his manner and loving at the same time. You know, I had nothing but good thoughts, but I didn't know what those good thoughts looked like. Now I do. Fred, Freddie, Leah, Tyler, Paul, Shelly. I know, never get somebody. Freddie's kids. Freddie's, see, I'm, I'm an uncle now, and I'm not only an uncle, I'm a great uncle, which I was before, but it's a Bailey thing, if you understand what I'm saying. So, the first night we were here, my son Brandon, who is a filmmaker, and will be a really good filmmaker very soon, but he's look, I see him looking at things. I see my other son, Detroit, who is named after my father. See him, see their energy, see the fact that all of this stuff is real. You know, one's 28, one's 30, and they heard me talk about this since they were two or three. Now it's here. Um, when Billy came in on Saturday, he called me Saturday morning. No, he texted me Saturday morning and asked me, he forgot my address again. He lives in Maryland, I live in Virginia. So I gave, sent him the address back, and I said, Man, they can't wait to see you. And he texted me back, he said, who is that, who's they? At that point, I realized that the lovely woman I'm related to by marriage and Billy's lovely woman, Tiziana, had not told him what was going on. Because we had planned to have a cookout this weekend anyhow. I forgot about that. So when Billy came in, um, his niece opened the door for him. He had no idea who she was. And then we, told him what was happening. I introduced him to Freddie. I introduced him to Leah. And then I took him outside and introduced him to his brother, Fred, who he looks a lot alike. And my guarded, wonderful, uh, positive-spirited, good guy brother basically melted. 
And the whole day was spent with the Baileys becoming more Baileys. I, you know, it, this might not do something for a lot of people. A lot of people don't want to know um, their family. A lot of, if you don't know certain things, a lot of people don't want to know. Not, I get it. I get it. Um, but for my spirit, for my children's spirits, for our family spirit, we're all glad we did. I'm glad I did. So maybe by next time I podcast. It would be, and no disrespect to what I'm getting ready to say, but maybe by the next time I podcast, it will be the Talk It Out podcast with Neil Bailey. I love the Harpers. They've always been good to me. But my last name is Bailey. Hey, if you've done this, oh, and and Arlene, Renee, I love you guys, two of my sisters. To my Harper sisters, shout it out to me today. And it's not, guys, don't ever think we look at each other as half-brothers and sisters. We never use that terminology. But it's just something else. It's just, they knew who their father was. My elder sisters knew who their father was. My oldest brother knew who his father was. Now we know who ours was. And his side of the family. Love grows. Talk to somebody about it. If you're doing it, if you want to try it, give somebody a gift of ancestry. Let them talk back to you. This is the Talk It Out podcast. Have a blessed and wonderful night, everybody. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> I mean, I've been up for five or six days. So at some point in time, I just got to get a couple of good hours of sleep. No basketball game tonight seems to fit. Be blessed.